Isn't it wonderful to be in the house of the Lord this morning, knowing that we come to worship the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one true and only living God. You know, the God that we worship doesn't have a tomb somewhere that we can go and lay flowers at or a memory or that we place statues off. We don't have crosses. I trust you don't have crosses in your home that have Jesus on it because he's not on that cross. He's risen. You know, sometimes I think, and just as I've pondered that, it's almost like we, we, we can sometimes, we're guilty of forgetting the magnitude of he who we come and serve, who he is, the living God. You know how many people out there are deceived, serving false gods? Who's come out of a false religion? Show of hands. Yes. And we now serve the one true living God. Let's get a hold of that this morning. When you look at that word peace, what comes to mind? What is peace? What an interesting thought to ponder this morning when we consider that there is something happening on every continent around the world be it civil unrest, be it war, be it riots, be it protests. There is so much more happening than we realize. News flash, the news doesn't tell you everything that's going on. <laughs> there is much that is going on. I remember growing up, my mum and dad would laugh at the prospect of peace, having fled Lebanon in 76 to come to Australia with nothing more than a suitcase of clothing. And my mum said, I was born into a world that was full of war. And I'll close my eyes one day and there'll still be war. We won't ever have peace. It's an impossibility. It's like a, it's, 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 it's like a, it won't happen. It's a fairy tale. How can we talk about peace when there is so much going on in society? How many work agendas are on the rise? How many things that continue to try to undermine the word of God, the authority of God, the order of God? Constantly. A little more personal, closer to home. How many homes, marriages, relationships are currently going through difficult times? How many of you here today present find yourself in the midst of a struggle or of a trial, of a challenge? You know, the world will try painting a picture of what peace is for us to attain, to work toward. Peace is financial freedom, having my home paid off, sitting on the balcony, enjoying a cup of tea, Ah, peace. Peace is a large bank balance. So when the rainy days come, I'm covered for days and days. I have no issue. Well, I've got peace of mind. They try to paint that peace is that perfect relationship where you and your spouse never argue, you never disagree. It's total bliss. You're perfect. They're perfect. Everything is perfect. Like the front of a Hallmark card. <laughs> Or how about the ultimate peace that is so often we see it on, on, different, on different sort of platforms, TV and social media, sitting back on white sand. Just imagine for a moment on a beach chair, the afternoon breeze coming through, there's a glorious sunset. And in the distance, you can hear the sound of the tide gently slapping the shoreline as you sip on that nice fresh drink out of a coconut shell with a little umbrella. 
peace and quiet. I read a definition recently by a preacher who captured it perfectly. He says, the world defines peace as a sense of calm, tranquility, quietness, contentment, and well-being that comes when everything is going well. But that definition, frankly, is shallow. A calm, tranquil feeling can be, product, can be a product and produced by lies, self-deception, unexpected good fortune, the absence of conflict and trouble, drugs, alcohol, even a good night's sleep can attain you that level of peace. Such peace is fleeting and easily destroyed. It can be shattered by the arrival of conflict and trouble, as well as by failure, doubt, fear, busyness, bitterness, anger, pride, difficulty, guilt, regret, sorrow, anxiety, over circumstances beyond one's control, being disappointed or misled by others, making bad decisions. So in short, by any perceived threat to one's security. But true spiritual peace is completely different from the superficial, fragile human peace. It is the deep, settled confidence that all is well between the soul and God because of his loving, sovereign control of one's life both in time and eternity. That calm assurance is based on the knowledge that sins are forgiven. Blessing is present. Good is abundant even in trouble and heaven is ahead. The peace that God gives his beloved children as their possession and privilege has nothing to do with the circumstances of life. When we speak of peace as Christians, according to the word of God, we speak of a supernatural peace. A peace that is only available in God through Christ Jesus. Everything else is counterfeit. Everything else is a fake. Doesn't measure up. There's only one true source of peace and definition of peace. And that is what we find in the Prince of Peace. Some of you may say, but how do you know? Have you experienced all that life has to offer? Yes, I have. I have satisfied every desire of the flesh. And it was then when I had everything that I realized I had nothing. Sitting on the edge of my bed, and I've shared this before, with all that a man could want, and being hit with an unexplainable emptiness of soul, a hollowness in my being, that question arising, is this all there is to this life? Is this all there is? And then crying out to God, if you are a real God, show me. You know, I won't, I won't ever forget that moment in time in my life when as a wretched sinner, I called out to God and he answered. And God in his mercy and grace got a hold of me and drew me to his son, Christ Jesus. And I say that he drew me because in John 6, 4, 4, we read, no one comes to me, says Jesus, unless God draws them. And I found true peace, one that is eternal, not temporal. Peace that man cannot manufacture or buy or earn. Good works won't grant you this peace from God. You could be the most generous philanthropist in history. You could tomorrow morning donate trillions and trillions of dollars. And if you decide to do that, donate some this way. Trillions. We'll get a bigger tithe box. Bring it here. <laughs> you can achieve world peace. 
You could be responsible for bringing the crime rates down to nil. You could come up with the cure for every horrible disease that is out there. And yet, none of that will grant you that peace that comes only from God. And so when you talk to different people out there, it's so funny how we associate good works with, surely this person's going to heaven because they've done this, 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 this. Surely because of how generous they are. Surely because of their deeds and their works. No, it is only because of the works of Christ upon the cross. As we heard in communion this morning, that that ledger has been cleared. I've seen what God does among the worst of sinners. It's not based on our works. Our only works is bowing the knee in surrender to Christ and declaring him as Lord and Savior. Declaring that it is no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. This peace from God won't be achieved any other way. This peace from God only comes when we have peace with God. We read in in Ephesians chapter 2, And he made you alive who were dead in trespass and sin. Let me just stop there just for one moment. Dead. Not dying. Not drowning. Not stuck. And God just came in and got a hold of me. I remember it was years ago I heard a preacher say, you went drowning, you were dead. Picture this, your body is just going boop, 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 boop to the bottom of the ocean floor. Lifeless. Gone. The Lord in his mercy, in his grace, in his love reaches down into the depths of that. Pulls up my lifeless corpse and breathes life into it. And hence the term born again. We were dead in trespass and sin in which we, you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which, which, with he, loved, which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Dead in sin, ruled by the world, ruled by the flesh, ruled by the wicked one. Further down, we read in verse 14, For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh, the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. I want to ask this morning, and if you can help me out here, I need six volunteers very quickly. Six. Thank you, Jason. I'm going to get you right in the middle. Yeah. And can I get both of you gentlemen over here? Yep. Alex, can I get you over here? All right. For all you mathematicians, you'd realize that I'm short one. So can I get one more? (laughs) Thank you, Maria. 
Now, I want you to imagine we have Jason here, dead in sin, dead in his trespasses. Jason, if you can just come and stand here in front of these three guys here. Um, face forwards. And guys, if you can just grab him, grab a hold of him, and don't let him go. Yeah, but grab him, grab him like you want to hurt him, but don't because he'll, he'll, he'll we'll work the other way around, yes. Yeah, but grab him, like hold him captive. You know, this is how we lived once, right? And just hold him there. Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Colossians 1, 19 says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile by to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Goes on to say, Once you were alienated from God, and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. So what does this mean for you and I this morning? It means we were separated from God. So, so I might get you to stand just here, Alex. And Maria, I'm going to get you to stand over here. We were separated from the Lord separated Jason is held captive by the world by his flesh by the wicked one the Lord draws him through his son Christ Jesus gets a hold of him and and releases him Jason is then baptized into the death the burial and resurrection of Christ Jesus And he now walks in newness of life. Not only is he free from the world, the flesh, and the wicked one, but he has been reconciled to God. Do you see what side he's on now? We now have peace with the creator of heaven and earth, and he finds himself here. He's no longer bound, as we just heard in the scriptures, by the flesh, by the world, by the wicked one. He is now reconciled to the Lord through his son, Christ Jesus. But what does that mean for Jason? It means those things that once held him and controlled him and ran his life are not only in opposition to where he's at, but he is now at war with those things and those things are at war with him. The flesh, the world, the wicked one. Suddenly, he now has a cross, a target on his back having been reconciled to the Father. That is the Christian life. It's not, I'm here and I'm still okay with here. No, 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 no. Total separation where God gets us and removes us from the clutches of these things. Guys, you can grab a seat. Thank you. Well done to our volunteers. How good is that? Through this peace we have with God, through Christ Jesus, we are in the world, but no longer of it. Did you know that? We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're not one of its own. We are now pilgrims traveling through. We find, our th- we find that the things that once enslaved us, that ruled over us, that helped us captive, no longer do. 
We have peace with the creator of heaven and earth. We have peace with he who sits enthroned on high. We have peace now with he that is above all things. We were once recipients of his wrath and judgment to come. But now our position has changed. We are now co-heirs with Christ. We have been adopted into his family. Sons and daughters. The peace I now have with God through Christ Jesus means my destiny is no longer hell-bound. But you and I this morning have a settled assurance and blessed hope of an eternity spent with him in heaven. You know, God forgive us this morning for how quickly our minds and attitudes sometimes can so easily not only set aside, but at times diminish this gift that we forget that we now have peace with God because the things of this world become a distraction and weigh me down. All of these things will pass away. We are not here in this current state forever. And those things that start to weigh us down, those things that start to get in the way, those things that become a distraction, let them never distract us from this glorious truth we have that we now have peace with God. I am no longer at war with him, but more so he is no longer at war with me. He now calls me son. One of the challenges for us, I know it's a challenge for me, it's a daily challenge in the way that we're living. Am I living? Are you living? Are we living our lives in a manner that reflects that we are the recipients of this peace we now have with God? Or are we still living in a manner where the world sees me as one of its own? With how you conduct yourself, does the world say he's one of ours, she's one of ours? Or do they watch you and see you and say there's something different? He's not one of us. She's not one of us. You know, it was after observing the worldliness in the lives of his readers, James launches into a warning in the book of James chapter 4. He gives a harsh assessment. He says this, You're adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And by enmity, he means this animosity, the state of being actively opposed to someone. He calls out a challenge to people who have turned their hearts away from God and fallen in love with the world. And when he speaks of the world, he means the world systems and world order, consisting of people whose beliefs, whose values, whose morals are in opposition and rebellion to God. The goals and objectives of the world are in direct contrast to God's commands. To cling to the world is to choose enmity with God. Are you in love with the world? Are you clinging on to things of this world instead of those things of the Lord? Does the world still have its claws in you? Dragging you with all its temptations and desires and pulling you this way and that way. James warns believers to cultivate, to not cultivate a lifestyle that resembles friendship with the world. And as Christians, we must never pursue the ideals, the morals, the goals or purposes of the world, but instead seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Matthew 6.33 As Christians, we have a higher calling. As Christians, there is a higher standard. 
As Christians, I don't walk around using foul language and carrying on and laughing at horror jokes. As Christians, I don't sit there mucking around about this, that's this beautiful covenant and sanctuary of marriage. As Christians, I don't engage. We don't engage in conversations that are unwholesome, that are a little bit of cheeky fun, that are naughty. As Christians, we're not having inappropriate conversations. It's a high standard, right? How high was the price he paid, though? And it's a struggle some days, but we have a helper, the Holy Spirit, who we seek. As Christians, we don't walk as everyone else does. We don't sit there following the trends. We're not sitting there trying to be cool. We heard last week, how challenging was last week's message that Pastor Paul shared about, about the way society is trying to, nur- to, to shape things and shift things. Who was challenged by that? I know I was. Talk about listening to that message a few times and really looking at parts of my life going, am I glorifying God here or am I, glorif- am I, am I satisfying glorifying flesh? I need you to encourage me. I need to encourage you. We need to encourage one another to not live our lives in a manner that resembles friendship with the world. You need to pull me up if you see me living in a way that's not appropriate because I'm going to be pulling you up. Why? Not because I I have it in for you, but because I love you and care about you too much as a brother and sister in Christ to watch you do this. When we know there is a higher standard, when we know that God calls us to something better. We have been called to a higher calling. And as a child of God, what a privilege it is. What a blessing. What an honor to know the truth and be set by the truth. Amen. And to be set free by the truth. And I rejoice that I'm at war against my flesh. I rejoice that I'm at war against worldly systems. I rejoice that my enemy is that wicked one. I love some good old-fashioned spiritual warfare. Beating up on the wicked one and all that goes on. Because he's, he's a father of lies. And as a Christian. As Christians. Everyone say Christians. As Christians, we are at warfare. There is spiritual warfare that is part and parcel. Show me somewhere in the Bible that where Jesus says it's going to be an easy ride. In fact, he goes on to say the opposite. And we're going to get to that in a moment. I no longer see, we no longer see the things that the world offers that, are, that our flesh desires as part of, or whether it's just part of the natural joys of the world. No. Those things that, 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 that appeal to the appetite of man's flesh and total depravity. No. We see them for what they are, sin and temptation and the bait of Satan. And the only way we start to identify these things as such is get into his word, get into prayer, allow discernment to arise. All of a sudden, if I'm reading God's word and I'm always in God's word and constantly in God's word, it becomes so easy to identify the things that are not of him. But how can I identify these things and know that I'm not walking and living according to his purposes when I don't actually know what his purposes are? Where do we find them? In his word. I can't emphasize that enough. Get into his word. These churches that are, that, are, that are falling by the wayside and you're hearing of so many things that are going on, they all have one thing in common, that there has been a departure from the word of God. They no longer teach and preach the full counsel of the Lord. Cherry-picked topics to fill the auditorium. And the churches out there that are doing wonderfully well, praise the Lord. The churches out there that are, that, that are seeing lives change, the, those those 
the Puritans of old and theologians of old, they preached, they had one thing in common. They preached the full counsel of the word of God. That's why I will say until the Lord calls me home, praise God for the teaching and preaching we have under our senior pastor in this house. Praise God that he is a man that seeks the Lord on his knees before he gets up behind the pulpit. Praise God he is a man that that leads his family according to the word of God. Praise God that he is a man that reveres the word. Praise God that his personal devotional life is that of a man who loves the Lord. That's why it flows from here. And what an example that he sets for all of us on how we should be living our lives. Be at war with everything else this morning, but not with God. This peace we have in, with God comes at a cost. We must be careful to not deceive ourselves into thinking that we can live in close fellowship with God and at the same time set our hearts on the think, things of the world. You can't have both. Don't be lukewarm. We can't turn around and go, I'm a Christian, but I'm also. Pick one. Well, you can't say Christian and Muslim, correct? (laughs) Some do. Pick one. Can I encourage you? Let me help you with that. Get on God's side. (laughs) Get on God's side. The Apostle Paul teaches Christians to cultivate a singular focus. In Colossians 3, 1 to 3, he said, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in a place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you die to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Amen. What does friendship with the world look like? How can we be sure we're not setting ourselves up to believing as though we're Enemies of God. One clear indication that you have made friends with the world is our behavior. Are we acting like the people of the world? Here's a, here's a quick test for you. Are you engaging in content on social media that goes against the way we should be living as Christians? Clear your browsing history all you want. <laughs> clear it. Get onto Google incognito. Log in as a fake user. Fool the entire world. But as David said, when I sin, I sin against you and you alone, God. He sees everything. Get your life right. Are you frequenting places and hanging out with people that indicates you're a friend of the world? Does that that mean we don't talk to people outside of this church? Of course it doesn't. There's a hurting world out there that we want to reach, that we want to evangelize to, that we want to minister to, that we want to, we want to talk to, that we want to, we want to demonstrate the love of God and what God's done in our lives, yes? But I'm not fellowshipping with them and they're not becoming my besties and I'm not allowing bad character to corrupt good character. You don't get amongst bad company. You turn around and if we're fellowshipping, if I'm spending time, if someone's going to be feeding into my spirit, man, I'm sitting with Joel. He shares scripture. 
who's going to encourage me in the things of God. I'm going to be sitting with Manny. I'm sitting with Stephen. I'm sitting with you guys and here going, yes, that's who speaks into my life. I'm not sitting in circles out there where there are people that are unregenerated, that are outside of Christ, that are speaking to my life and telling me how my relationship should be and giving me marriage tips and advice. No, that comes from this house. But I am spending time out there praying every day, going, Lord, allow me just for your glory, just to reach one. To talk to one, where they turn around and go, why is it different? Why, when you speak about your wife, about your kids, why won't you come out and, and go out to the places we go to? Just that opportunity to go, hey, great question. Let me share a little bit about why. Do we quarrel, covered, fight? Are we harboring bitter envy and selfish ambition in our hearts? Do we boast and deny the truth? Do we find disorder and every evil practice in our lives? Because that is the world. And if you identify with any of that this morning, I'm not here to condemn. I do ask that the Holy Spirit convict and that we get our lives sorted. Or instead, as we read in Ephesians, are we walking in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called? As recipients of this peace we now have with God, is my life, and this is from Ephesians 4.1, is my life a life that exhibits good, godly character, moral courage, personal integrity, and mature behavior, a life that expresses gratitude to God for my salvation? Are we a people that give thanks to God daily that we are saved? It's not reserved for Sunday. It's every day, thank you, Lord, that if I should awake, if I should not awake tomorrow morning, I know that to be absent from the body is to be present with you, God. I have that assurance. Are we walking with all humility, forsaking self-righteousness and gentleness, maintaining self-control, with patience, bearing with one another in unselfish love? Are we making every effort to keep the oneness of the Spirit in the bond of peace, each individual working together to make the whole successful? That's what our behavior needs to be, and our trust is. Because we have a higher calling. And please don't be fooled. Friendship with the world will rub off on your character. Friendship with the world. Spending all that time is going to rub off on your character. If anything or anyone takes a more important place in our lives than our relationship with God and Jesus Christ, we have a, we've probably entered into a friendship with the world that isn't a good one. If suddenly I'm happy to dismiss my reading of scripture or my time of prayer or a meeting that I should be at because the world's pulling me and drawing me into other things. We need to check ourselves. We need to check ourselves. One commentator puts it this way, love for God and love for the world are mutually exclusive separate Jesus confirmed no one can serve two masters either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other Matthew 6 24 why do I share this point and, and labor this point this morning because we find ourselves now in a time more than ever where you are being bombarded with world agendas parents how different are conversations with our kids now than when we were growing up 
how much more do they know? Now, just let me say for some of you young ones, knowledge doesn't mean wisdom. You need to know how to apply it. But that's another sermon for another time. Listen to your parents. But how much more? There's such a freedom of information. I grew up in a time where if you wanted information, you had to go to the library. You had to request that little clear box that had all the yellow cards in it. They call that the Dewey Decimal System. The young ones, hang on while I speak to your parents. And you remember, and you had to think, what topic am I looking or do I actually know the name of the book? And they had to flick through that little card box. That was about an hour. And you complained about the Wi-Fi taking three seconds. And then I pull out a card and I've got to walk over and I've got to find the aisle that the book is in. Now, that's assuming that the librarian has put it back where it belongs or someone hasn't moved it. And then I've got to read every single side of the book to finally find it and then go back to the librarian. And for all of my effort, I'm told I have to have the book back in two days. So then I've got to go home and read the entire book to extract one or two lines. I am older than Google. (laughs) Yes, for my pre-Googlers. Now, I can ask my kids a question and they can have the answer inside of like two seconds. Well, did you know? And then they can ask artificial intelligence to draft a response where I'm even going, wow, that's a good response. A different time. But what does that mean? It means the things of the world just up the ante on how enticing they are. It all starts in here. Mine's busy. That's why there's no trees on it. But it all starts in here. How are we transformed? By the renewing of? If I've got this thing up in my face the whole time and it's feeding my mind, it's feeding my mind, it's feeding my mind, you know what it's doing? It's now shaping my behaviors. It's shifting my behaviors. I can't believe the latest stat to come out of Australia is is people are spending an average of seven hours on their devices. Seven hours on devices a day. And my mind's eating this, consuming this, consuming this, consuming this. Let me get a hold of God's word and let me start consuming his word. Let me start renewing my mind. I remember a little while ago, someone said to me, oh, so your kids are brainwashed. 100% my kids are brainwashed. Every night we wash their brains with the word of God before they go to bed. (laughs) Thank you. I will take that as a compliment. We wash our minds and our spirit man from the things that the world throws at us. And it's constant. Doesn't stop. But we have an answer. Get into God's word. Get into prayer. Temptation comes. I ring. I make a phone call. Alex, have you got a minute? Can I share something with you? Pride and ego is not getting in the way. I'm reaching out to a brother who I know is a man of the word who's going to lift me up. Hey, would you mind praying with me just for a couple of minutes? I'm just facing something that's a bit tough. That's not something to be embarrassed of. That's something we rejoice in that we now have that, that bond in the spirit. Spiritual warfare and opposition are part of the glorious calling we have in Christ. Truly, we are humbled and even honored to have been chosen by Christ out of the world. Amen. However, his choice of us is not one that frees us at all from difficulty in this life. In fact, his choice of us guarantees hardship and the world's hatred. He tells us not to be surprised that the world hates us, for we have been chosen out of the world. 
our Lord does not mean that the world's hatred of us exists as a possibility that may or may not be realized. No, Christ means that when the world hates us, we should not be surprised for we don't belong to it. And the world cannot help but hate us because those who are in rebellion against God hate everything that is not also in rebellion against him. Jesus knows that we should not be surprised when the world hates us for following him, for they hated him first. And if they hate him and they love us, are we better than the master? No. But since the servants are not greater than the master, the world's hatred of him guarantees will also hate us. We will be despised in many circles for keeping the commandments of Christ. What a tiny price to pay for what he's done on the cross. That you have been guaranteed, you have this assurance of eternity with him. Hate all you want. I know where I'm going. Do you know where you're going this morning? Amen. Here's a sobering thought. The late Dr. R.C. Sproul said this. We are not supposed to go looking for persecution or hostility. But if we never experience it, that should be a wake-up call to tell us that we may not be as committed to Christ as we say we are. And all the people said, ouch. (laughs) If you've gone through long, long periods where there's been no warfare, no challenge, maybe take some time out and reflect on your life. I don't say that from a sadistic point of view. I say that in terms of, the, the, of, in terms of spiritual beings and in spiritual warfare. It's part and parcel. Every believer will at some point face hatred from the world to some degree. Family, friends, work. Isn't it amazing, and I'm going to start closing off now, isn't it amazing that during the time of restrictions and lockdown, I often reflect on this. I don't care what side of the fence you're on, whether you think we should wear masks, we shouldn't wear masks. I don't care. I really don't. I love you all the same. You want to wear a mask? Wear 10 of them. You don't want to wear a mask? Don't. I don't care. I really don't. But amazing how this little bit of fabric that's worth about five cents that's made on wherever, wherever they make them and and from all parts of the world how quickly this little bit of non-living, nothing fabric brought division between families. Division between Christians. I remember thinking, wow, I thought the power is in the blood. Obviously, the power is in the mask. And make sure you're wearing it properly. Not just, and then that's another argument. These things that get in the way, nothing is worth getting in the way of the, of the friendship and the fellowship and the bond we have together. Do you think I'm going to let something like that get between, between Carl and Robin and myself? Well, Christ, you've paid that, but this holds more power. Nonsense. At some point, we're going to face backlash. We're going to face hatred. We're going to face trial and tribulation from families, from friends, from work. And we are going to be hated at some point because we live according to the true gospel. And in all of that, I say to you, rejoice. Turn around and say, praise God. Yes and amen. I'll take that. This morning, we don't walk out of here hopeless and left wondering how to navigate the warfare that comes with peace. No. 
We not only have peace with God through Christ Jesus, but we have also received peace from God through Christ Jesus, which enables us to be victorious over all that comes our way. It enables us to rejoice in the midst of afflictions, of persecution, of trial, of tribulation. God dispenses a peace that enables us to declare what 2 Corinthians 4 tells us. What we have in this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. And then further down, therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Jesus said, in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Isaiah said, you keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stead on you because he trusts you. Jesus said in John 14, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And finally, what a tremendous promise we have this morning as I call up the worship team. Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We have peace with God. My question this morning for us is, do some of us need that peace from God? Do you need some of that peace that surpasses all understanding, that guards our hearts and minds to get you through a season, to get you through a trial, to get you through a current issue, a current struggle? And if so, we'd love to pray with you this morning. We can all stand. You can either come to the front and we can do business here with the Lord or right where you're standing. His arm is not short. They cannot reach you. There is no distance. That you commune with your God this morning. You call out to him this morning by faith.